0: On June 6th of 1944, any know what happened on that day?
1: The Allied forces, World War II, after years of brutal
0: warfare, launched an invasion that would change the war. They sent
1: thousands of young men upon the beaches of Normandy, France establish a beachhead and to begin what would be the final march to victory in Europe where Germany would surrender. Many soldiers died that day in that invasion and it was literally the turning point of the war. Many historians actually say that it, it really was the end of the war. It was the beginning of the end of the war. It was such a major Victory and uh, to be able to establish um, and take over that area of France, it was what made the rest of the war winnable. When the soldiers won that decisive battle that day, took the beach, and ended up taking the surrounding areas, what did they do next? They didn't sit on the beach and get a suntan. It actually took 11 months. So the war, in essence, was, was won. Victory happened that day, and it really was the turning point for everything else. But between June 6, 1944, and VE Day, which was May 8 of 1945, 11 months later, many men still died. Many bloody battles were fought until final victory came. Why do I mention that bit of history? Today we're talking about the fight for faith. Next week we'll be looking at the victory that is ours in Christ. But today we're going to be looking at the fight. And we're going to be looking at things that are incredibly important. Because faithfulness in the church of Jesus Christ today, conviction, resolve, aren't exactly popular. How do we stand strong against the growing chorus of voices that are urging us to to give up? Give up on God's word. Give up on truth. Live however you please. Do whatever you want. Live however you want. It's all good.
0: Times get tough. The tough often flee. We've been studying
1: worldview, how Christians think and We've had three words that we've learned as the summary of what a biblical Christian worldview means. The worldview meaning like the lens through which we view everything else. Every single one of us has a worldview. You look out into the world, you look out into life, and you see it a certain way. And that has been shaped and formed and fashioned by certain things. What we want to do as Christians is to make sure that the way we see everything in life is shaped and formed and fashioned by God and His Word alone. So we've seen the the, the historical uh, study that we've done, going all the way back to creation. Very quickly after creation, we see the fall of man, where Adam and Eve, having been placed in a beautiful garden in the midst of perfection and innocence, sin. They distrust God's word. They doubt His word. And they do exactly what He told them. the one thing He told them not to do. And that plunged all of us into sin. That's the Christian understanding. That we inherit the sin nature of our father Adam. So we see creation, we see the fall, and then we see the great work of God in redemption. The pinnacle of it being the cross of Jesus Christ, where He, as the second Adam, succeeded where the first Adam failed. He overcomes the temptation of the devil. He overcomes the pull of the flesh. He overcomes it all, and He goes to the cross on our behalf. And on the cross, He dies, not because of His own sin, but because of mine. Sin must be punished, and must be judged if God is to be holy and righteous. And He is holy and righteous, And so he cannot just overlook it. So what does he do? He himself takes it upon his own self in his son. An amazing thing. This is the Christian understanding. And where do we live in that process? Creation, fall, redemption. We're kind of in redempt. And then there's like a parenthesis and there's a shun. (laughs) You're right there. You're in, as a Christian, in the tension of the already and the not yet. We've talked about Christ as the the Lord of all of life, as the, the one who rules and reigns, and he does. But there's an already to his reign because of what he's already accomplished through his death and resurrection and his ascension. He's already broken the curse, and yet there's a not yet because there's a fulfillment, there's a consummation that is coming one day. It's the promised hope of the Christian. That's what we look forward to. That's what we, we, we can't wait for. We're excited. But what do we do in the meantime? Well, like the soldiers who took the beach on Normandy, we don't sit on the beach and get a suntan. <laughs> Hang on. Nothing wrong with going to the beach. want to be clear because we've talked about how we understand things as Christians. But you get the analogy. In the in, in Hebrews chapter 10, the author, the, the writer to Hebrews was writing to a group of Jewish Christians who had who'd come to faith in Christ, and for, for most of them, that meant that they were ostracized, that meant that they were ousted by their family, that, they, that meant that they would be persecuted by family members and by the, the elites of society and by all the people around them, imagine. It's like becoming a Christian in Iran today and you have to meet secretly with, with other Christians, because you and, and even then you don't know if there's a spy among your midst that's going to turn you all in, and you're all going to go to jail or be executed. They were struggling because of the challenges that they were facing, and there was a temptation to, to just go back. Maybe I'll just, I just go back where life was easier. I'll go back where, where I didn't have to go through this constant tension Uh, Of fighting for, for faith. The author to Hebrews writes in verse 39 of chapter 10 and says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. He's saying, you gotta keep fighting. You can't stop. You can't go back. You can't You can't, back there is is destruction and death. Don't go back. Have faith and be those who persevere to the end. The Apostle John writes in his letter, 1 John 5, verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So the very things we're talking about today in the fight for faith, this literally is life and death for some of us, for all of us. Persevering to the end, it's life and death.
0: It has massive consequences. It matters eternally. A lot of times as Christians, we Fear the struggle.
1: But John is writing to them and telling them that the the faith is the struggle. Struggling for the faith is the struggle, and that is the victory. So we have to come to an understanding this morning of three things. All of the Christian life is a life of faith. Secondly, faith must be fought for. And thirdly, faith overcomes. By enduring to the end. Start with point number one. All of the Christian life is a life of faith. That means from the beginning of it to the end of it. It's not just faith that got you through the door and now you go forward with something else. It's faith and only faith all the way to the end. All of life is faith. What is faith? Helpful for us to understand, isn't it? Needful for us. Christian faith Christian faith, first off, is, has an object. It's Christ. Fifth, Christian faith has a trust. It's a, it's a self-abandoning reliance and trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's Christian faith. And that's a faith that is rock solid that will never fail. Hebrews, in chapter 11, following up to the, uh, the chapter 10, when when the, the, the author said that to not give up, that those who have faith are the ones who preserve their souls, then he describes what faith is to them. He says in verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The hypostasis is, is the Greek word assurance. It means a standing under. It, it's, it's, it has the meaning of substance, of foundation. It's like a substructure that exists out of sight. You can't see it, but it's there like crossing the Coronado Bridge, where you you don't know what it's made of, but you got a lot of faith in it, don't you? (laughs) Every time you drive across it, I don't know about you, that bridge freaks me out a little bit. I'm always nervous crossing the bridge. I love the view. I hate the thought of going down. (laughs) But there's something in me that leans on it and trusts it. It's something I can't even see in that structure of it that holds it up and keeps it up. This is faith, the assurance of what is hoped for, the assurance of what is trusted. And so faith is is having a confident assurance. You don't see Jesus right in front of you, but you trust his word. You trust what he says, and you hope for what he says. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It says it's the conviction. Elenknos is the Greek word. It means the proof, the evidence. It's like you're the jury and you're, just, you're to, to decide on a case and the, the evidence is presented before you and, and you see the evidence and it's fail-proof. It's clear. So you make a decision and you have a conviction. It's evidence, it's proof of what? Of things not seen. Christian life revolves around the promises of God. You can't grab that in the physical sense, but you can grab that by faith. That's what he's saying. That's what keeps you from going back, from losing, from, from shirking, and going back to the, the way things used to be. He goes on and explains in verse two, he says, for by it, by faith, the people of, of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. He goes into this long list of people throughout the Old Testament, using them as examples of faith. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. Just listen to this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. Since she, was, since she considered him faithful who had promised Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of
0: sand by the seashore. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Not
1: having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him up from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? He said, I could go on and on, but time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and, and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith... Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by resurrection. And we're like, yeah, give me some of that.
0: (laughs) Give me all of that. I want that. Yeah, faith, faith. Oh, it's not done. Some were tortured. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn
1: in two. They were killed with a sword. They
0: went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Whom the world was not. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Faith. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. By faith. Faith is the only attitude of the heart. It is the exact opposite of self dependence, self reliance. Faith says there's nothing in me, it's only in you. Faith knows there's nothing in me. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that
1: by grace you've been saved. True, our salvation is a gift of grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You did nothing to deserve it, and we're saved by grace through the means of faith.
0: This is not your own doing. What isn't? The grace nor the faith. It's a gift of God.
1: It's not a matter of pulling our bootstraps up and getting strong. It's a matter of
0: where are you looking. Where do the eyes of your heart look? For what? For everything. For life. For salvation. For endurance.
1: He says, it's not a result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Why faith? So I don't think I'm all that. And be like, man, Brian, you did really good there. So God gets the glory alone. Not me, not you, not anyone. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Faith is a gift. It's a gift, letter A, that unites us to Christ. In, by, by grace through faith, we are put in union with Christ. Jesus Christ is the object of Christian faith and and biblical faith fundamentally looks out and up, not in and around. It looks to Christ. It's all about Christ. It unites us to Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. When he died on the cross, I died. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. By, by grace through faith we're saved, and that means we're so united with him. We, we become one with him. He brings us into himself that when he died, we died. We're also raised with him, according to Colossians 3.1. If, then, or since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So in Christ, by faith, I'm united with him, which means I I was crucified with him, I died, which means I was raised to new life, and the life I now live, it's his life, it's not my own. I'm dead in Christ, and I'm alive, I'm dead with Christ, I'm, I'm raised with Christ, and I'm also seated with Christ. Ephesians 2, 6, he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus you are united with Christ, and the implications of that are so profoundly deep. And it's not just something that's ethereal or something that we can just think about and ponder and say, Hmm, oh, that's really nice. It's something that has implications in how we live our lives. Because let her be, faith shapes how we live all of life. Every part, faith is the instrument that unites us to Christ but it's also the reality that shapes and and, and shows how we live in union with Christ. Galatians 2.20, the second part, the life I now live in the flesh. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, on February 26, 2023, at 1147 a.m., the life I live right now, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so as Christians, because of that reality of being united with Christ, it changes and shapes how we live life because according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. John Calvin was commenting on the passage in Hebrews that we just read, the great faith chapter, and he's speaking of the, the verses where it mentions the faith of Abraham, and he said these words, let us remember that we are all in the same condition as Abraham. Our circumstances are all in opposition to the promises of God. He promised us, us immortality, yet we're surrounded by morality or mortality and corruption. He declares that he accounts us as just yet we're covered with sins. He testifies that he is propitious and benevolent towards us, yet outward signs threaten his wrath. What then are we to do? Must close our eyes, disregard ourselves and all things connected with us, so that nothing may hinder or prevent us from believing that God is true. This is what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. To not walk by faith is sin, according to Romans 20, 14 23. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Rebellion against God. To not trust Him, to not believe Him. It's to shake our
0: fists at His face and spit in it. Walk by faith, not by sight. So often, though, the Christian, the false Christian understanding is that that's going to lead me to some sort of utopia. I'm a Christian. God changes your life. He changes everything. You're going to be happy.
1: And he's going to, he's going to just make your path straight just the way you want him. Everything's going to be smelling like roses and it's going to be wonderful. What a great life in Christ and people come to Christ and hearing such a false gospel or they think they come to Christ and all of a sudden, boom, trials hit. Faith does not lead to some type of utopia. True faith in the true Christ in believing the true gospel actually leads the people of faith to war. It leads us to war because all of life is a war. Christian faith simply puts you on the right side of the war. Colossians 1:13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Beautiful picture of salvation. I was over here in the kingdom of darkness, a hater of God, Against him, standing, wanting my way and my will to be done. And then the light of the gospel shined on me. I saw my sin for what it was. He opened my eyes to see it. And glory of glories, I bowed before him, trusting his finished work on the cross to cover my sins. Forgive me of all of them. And and that his resurrection showed that he is God and I can trust him. He ascends to heaven, is coronated there, and now rules and reigns and and prays for me. and, And he's my Lord, and I serve him in joy in the kingdom of light. That's the Christian experience. But that's no utopia in living in the tension of the already
0: and the not yet. Perfection's coming. The day of no tears is coming, but not yet. So secondly, faith then must be fought for. Point two. Because all of life is war, faith must be fought for.
1: Not only must faith should be fought for, but the faith must be fought
0: for by faith. Especially in the modern culture we live in. The battle is to apply faith in Christ all of life, every area, to not have a church life and a home life, but to have a life. Faith is internal, but it's not to be internalized.
1: It's not to be privatized. It's not something I just keep in and in my innards, and I leave there. It's what James means when he says, faith without works is dead. Faith has to come out. Faith does things. Faith responds. Faith acts. Faith loves. Faith believes. Faith trusts. Faith stands. Faith fights. Faith preserves. Which raises important questions for us in this tension of the already and the not yet. If Jesus truly is reigning, if if God really is the Lord and, and that powerful, why is life so hard? Why are things on the earth so painful? Why is there so much suffering? Not only
0: in the world, in Christians' lives. Why do we struggle so deeply? Biblical worldview would tell us it's the fall. We are in the day of redemption, but the fullness of redemption
1: and full restoration is yet to come. As long as we live on planet death, we will suffer the consequences of all of the things that go along with it.
0: We're to be in the world, but not of the world. There to be a struggle. And
1: living in this already and not yet. We're not to be escapists in our mentality. The Christian worldview isn't, I just want to get out of all my problems. The Christian worldview is, God, what are you doing in all of my problems? You're the sovereign Lord of all of history, and and I trust you in all of it. And so in the middle of whatever I'm suffering, help me, yes, I don't want to feel this pain while at the same time, what are you doing? What do you want me to learn and to grow in? And how do you want me to trust you more in the midst of this
0: pain? The effects of the fall will be dealt with until the Lord returns. And as our covenant
1: God, this is how he works. You don't become a Christian and all of a sudden instant perfection, instant glory, It's not the way God designed it. Why? Because he is a God who works in real time and space covenantally in relationship with his people using his people to accomplish his
0: means. Which means this, you're here for a purpose and it's his purpose. And a part of that purpose will be suffering. Why doesn't he just remove us? Why don't we just have instant glory? When we begin to think
1: that way, we're in the same thought pattern as, 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 as the first Adam.
0: Make it back to the garden. Because that was Adam's thought too, instant glory. Shortcut. Let me, get, let me get, Satan tells Adam and Eve, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. Really. Now that means I'm not going to have to work the ground so hard anymore like God that means my life is going to be a whole lot easier so yeah I'll I'll eat that we're not here to seek comfort and ease we're not here to seek pain either we're here to work to keep God's garden world if you will we're here to obey him in the dominion mandate and we're here to make disciples
1: of the nations. We're here to be about God's rescue and redemption mission in every area of life. No sacred or secular, like we talked about. You go to your work tomorrow, that's not your secular work. That's as unto the Lord. That's the Christian worldview. By faith, you work for God. God works in the beauty and in the brutality of real time and space, in history, in a real time, space, embodied world. God's people trust him in that world. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Price was the blood of the Son of God. So glorify God in your body. The biggest lies out there is that the Christian faith brings comfort and ease. And we buy it and we love it. Like, like, like get rich quick schemes. So many people get on, on it. Why? Because I want the shortcut. I want the quick way to glory. I want the quick way to riches. Yet we have warnings throughout Scripture like in 1 Peter 4, 12 where Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings
0: that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Who thinks like that? Christians, supposed do. And if we don't, we don't have a biblical worldview.
1: Jesus himself spoke in such ways. He's preparing his disciples. In John 16, he's getting ready to head to the cross. And he says, I've said all these things to you. He just, tell, he just told them, I'm, I'm going to die. We're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. And, and, he say all the, and I'm saying these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they'll do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Saying, I'm about to leave. My spirit will be with you. You're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. I'm not going to be here to grab and to hold and to hug. I'm going to be with you, spirit. But I'm telling you, hard times are going to come. There will be pain in life. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said. See, I thought the Christian life is a life of peace. So we talk about peace and joy, and it is. And it's a life of war.
0: It's a life of peace in the middle of war. And we can't appease the enemy. There will
1: always be war until the enemy is defeated, and that's coming one day. We'll talk about that next week.
0: But until then, we live in this hard tension. And we fight for faith. Samuel Rutherford, the great Puritan, said, it's hard to keep sight of God in a Have to go back to the word of God. Recognize it's truth that he told us. And he promised us. He'd be with us. He'd strengthen us. He'd be strong when we're weak. So we can't go
1: around like they did in the days of Jeremiah when the people of God had turned their back on God, and yet there's all these people saying, Peace, peace, when there was no peace.
0: We have an enemy. In letter A, we have an enemy that must be resisted. Because life is war,
1: we have an enemy. The life of faith is, is not easy. The Christian is engaged in unrelenting warfare with the world, with the flesh, and with the devil. And every step forward is going to be a challenge. It's going to be contested. It's going to have an enemy coming against you. Verse Ephesians 6:12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You have an enemy, his name is Satan. He hates you. He hates your family. He wants nothing more than to tear you apart, to destroy you. John 10, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. We have an enemy. So according to Peter, 1 Peter 5, we need to be sober-minded and watchful because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Sometimes we get this poor me syndrome. I know life is really hard and we feel like I'm the only one. They're blessed and they're blessed, but I'm not. Everyone's messed up. Every one
0: of us has problems. God is sovereign over all of them. Because we have an enemy, he's going to attack. And what is he going to attack? He's going to attack your faith.
1: Constant aim of Satan is to persuade us to live by sight,
0: and for that matter, by feelings, rather than in glad submission to the word of God.
1: So anytime, Christian, you're tempted to go off of what you feel against the truth of the word of God, that's the attack
0: of the enemy. Resist him. Resist him. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul
1: speaks of such attacks. Verse 17, he says, Since we were torn apart from, from you brothers for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. There was this baby church. Paul had, had been a part of seen birth and, and then he couldn't be with them and he wanted to be there so much, but Satan fought even his going. He hindered him. Verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord at His coming? Is it not you, for you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could not bear it any longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the
0: gospel of Christ for what purpose? To establish and exhort you in your faith. The end of verse five, he says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith
1: for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. What was Paul's concern for the Thessalonian church?
0: Their faith. That they would doubt God, that they wouldn't trust his word. Satan hates faith in Christ. He loves faith in other things, he hates our, your faith in Christ. He'll do his best. To tempt you to doubt.
1: One of his greatest strategies is to turn the Christian in upon himself. Once he or she gets preoccupied with looking in, the clouds of our many sins and our failures hide the precious and, and perfect justifying righteousness from the Lord Jesus Christ so where we can't see it anymore clouds us Satan hates us just like he hated Peter in Luke 22 Simon Simon behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat oh what comforting words though Jesus says but I've prayed for you your faith may not fail Satan's attacking you Peter he
0: wants you he wants to take you down what is he after He wants your faith to fail. Called to fix our eyes upon Jesus. What are you looking at? Where are you looking? The fight for faith is a fight to keep your eyes on Christ.
1: Yes, that involves personal repentance. It involves the pursuit of holiness. It involves faithfulness. But it's, it's the fight of the faith. He's going to want to take you down personally. He's going to want to attack your family. Why should we be surprised that the enemy would attack the greatest
0: display of the image of God on earth? Marriage. Family. God created the man and the woman
1: and their children and their grandchildren to spread his glory throughout the earth for his glory. Marriage as a public institution, the union of of marriage in, in, in one man and one woman for all of life communicates a public lifestyle. And it's a reflection of God himself. And as Christians, we must not take it lightly. Marriage preaches the gospel of the Trinitarian
0: covenant of heaven, said Richard Miller, our dearly departed brother. Years ago. Family will be under attack. Resist him. Stand. Be firm in the faith. The church will be under attack. From without and often even times from within.
1: We need an I am my brother's keeper mentality. We need a love and a care and a tenderness that goes deeper than most of us are comfortable with. We also need to understand that in the already and the not yet, the church is messed up. We, and I've been guilty of this in the past, I'm approaching church life in an idealistic way. Oh, if we could just be like the people in Acts, then we'd have it. Have you read Acts? (laughs) Have you seen the problems that the church had like right off the bat? Oh, man, if we could be like those early churches. Have you read 1 Corinthians? There's no utopia. The church has many scars. And we must guard our own hearts because if you get too deeply involved
0: in any church, in this church too, you're going to get hurt. You're going to struggle. Your faith is going to be tested. Your love is going to be tested. Fight. Believe God. Fight for faith. He attacks in our nation. He attacks through
1: the state government being built up as, as if it was God itself. Okay, well, we're Christians. We shouldn't care about you know, such things. No, we don't get into politics. Oh, yes, we do. It's all of life. Since when did God, God stop caring that millions of babies are aborted every year?
0: Did he stop caring for them? When did he stop caring about all of the issues that are so important in our daily lives? Did God stop caring about righteousness in the nation? God's word says that righteousness exalts a nation. As Christians, we are to be salt and light in it. The culture will experience attack. Discussed in the Christian worldview
1: that, that culture is simply worship. It's the fact that God created culture. He created us to, he, he made creation and then culture is what we do with his stuff. And we can either direct that in what we do and, and how we do it to him in worship or to the creature. We're in Romans 1. And give glory to man.
0: Say, I don't know if we should become cultural warriors. We should be Christian warriors. Well, you
1: want to fight for a Christian culture? Yeah. Really? I mean, I don't want to fight for a Hindu culture. Or a Muslim culture. Or a
0: secular humanist culture. It's all religious, folks. It's all religious. Herman Bavinck
1: wrote these words, Spiritual life does not exclude family and social life. Or you could say faith does not exclude family and social life, business and politics, art and science. Rather, it is the power that enables us to faithfully fulfill our earthly calling. Stamping all of life as service to God. The kingdom of God is, to be sure, like a pearl more precious than the whole world. But it is also like a leaven that leavens the entire dough. Faith isn't only the way of salvation, it also involves overcoming the world. We have an enemy. Letter B, we also have powerful weapons. 2 Corinthians 10:4. the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ and take captive every thought to obey Christ. We don't raise up physical arms, We have a sword, we have one weapon, here it
0: is. Have the word of God. Yes, it's war, but we also have protective armor, let her see. So don't be
1: foolish and leave your armor at home. When you go to battle, put it on, take up the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth (coughs) and having put on the breastplate of righteousness
0: Have an enemy. Resist him. You have powerful weapons in Christ. Use them. You have protective armor. Wear them. Say, yeah, but it seems useless sometimes. There's not many of us. I mean, there's a lot of Christians, quote unquote, all over the
1: country and the world, and yet the rise of evil is greater than ever before. What's the
0: deal? A lot of false gospels. A lot of us are weak. Well, it's true there's not many of us, but remember Gideon? God doesn't need an army.
1: RJ Rush Dooney said this, and I believe this is true. History has never been dominated by majorities
0: but only by dedicated minorities who stand unconditionally on their own. so we're at war war is brutal war is ugly war is also glorious because there's victory in fighting there's no victory on the sidelines First John 5 4 For Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. How do we overcome? Letter three or uh, number three faith overcomes by enduring to Matthew
1: 24. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, Again, they'll deliver you up to tribulation, they'll put you to death. Will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold.
0: We're all in a hole. I want all those problems. Thirteen. The one who endures to the end. Adam wanted the shortcut. Jesus would take no shortcut. Is it easy for him? Tell me. Read Matthew 26. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go through this. Father, any way out, any way out, Nevertheless, I will. So, yes, Christ would have his crown. First, have his crown. Christian life is the same pattern. The Christian life is victorious
1: because of Christ, and it follows him.
0: In a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes we think faith needs a, a jolt and a, just need more excitement. I need more motivation.
1: We even do things as Christians and churches to, to whip up the emotions and, and get them rolling. And
0: just, just enough to get me by another like, couple hours. faith doesn't need that faith has truth faith has all of the promises out in Christ faith has Christ himself faith has God so if you have faith 2 Timothy 2 share in suffering as a good soldier Christ Jesus
1: no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. There's bombs flying and
0: bullets flying and limbs flying. Be a good soldier. Please your Lord. First Corinthians 9:24, Paul says, "Do you not know that in a race?
1: All the runners run, but only one wins. One receives the prize. So run to win. is what he says. Run that you might obtain it. Run that way. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as beating the air. My punches land, my punches hit. I discipline my body. I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified.
0: We don't think that way. This is the Christian worldview. We think quick fix. I need my miracle.
1: Well, your supernatural miracle just might be strength to endure. Because that's the usual way God does things. What we need is not more excitement. What actually we need is a lot more consistent, boring Bible reading. Every day. In and out. For years. More closet prayer. More cups of cold water. Given in the name of Jesus that no one knows about. That's what we need. Faith worked out in
0: all of life. That's the victory. That's the Nike. Nike. That's the word. Nike is a shoe, right? They borrowed it from the Greek. The Greek word for victory. Faith is the Nike
1: that nikesasa, the world. It's the victory
0: that victorizes the world, if you will. Means to overcome, to be victorious in battle, to conquer, prevail. We are victorious. Gotta stay in the astute and eloquent theologian Rocky Balboa said these words.
1: Let me tell you, oh no, that's bad.
0: Let me tell you something
1: you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't about how hard you hit, it's
0: about how hard you can get hit moving forward. How much you can take, keep moving forward. That's how winning Rocky was. God's principles are in life. As Christians, we, we know them supernaturally by revelation. Think
1: of a character like this guy, Rocky. Why is he so loved? Why is the story so loved? Because of the struggle that leads to victory. Everyone wants the prize. Everyone wants the belt. Everyone wants to raise their arms and have a statue in a museum in Philadelphia, but not many want to actually get up at 4 a.m.
0: and drink raw eggs and run 30 miles. And the same is true. When Jesus, talking to the seven churches of Revelation,
1: Revelations 2 and 3, each of them have unique encouragements and rebukes, but every single
0: one of them is offered a reward, a promise, for doing one thing, conquering, enduring. All the way to the end, listen to these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
1: For the one who conquers, I'll grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. For the one who conquers, will not be hurt by the second death. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I'll give authority over the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I'll give him the morning star. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I'll never blot his name out of the book of life. I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown, the one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I'll write him on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. The one who conquers, I'll grant him to sit with me on my
0: throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Endure. Endure to the end. Endure to the end because Jesus is worthy. He's worthy. Endure to the end because Jesus is with us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always with you to the end of the age. Life is hard the christian walk is not easy when that tells you that it does not know but we have this treasure these jars of clay show that the surpassing power belongs to god not to Yes, we are afflicted in every way, not crushed. Yes, we're perplexed, not driven to despair. Yes, we're often persecuted, not forsaken. Though we may be struck down, we're not destroyed. Therefore, my beloved brothers,